This is Legends of the Gridiron, an inside look at the AFLL. Here's your host, Jamie Thomas. As the big voice said, it's Jamie Thomas with you for Legends of the Gridiron. And there was a lot of legendary performances in week four of the AFLL. I'll go through this one a little faster than I have in weeks past. I have an excellent interview with Heroes FC owner Dan Esposito. As an interesting take on the league, uh, the UFF sports itself, and of course, what he thinks the next group, uh, how do I put this? You know how Peyton Manning and Eli Manning are on Monday Night Football? Well, Dan Esposito has a great idea on who he thinks should be there rather than the Mannings. You'll love that perspective. We'll get to that interview here momentarily. In the meantime, let's go through action in week number four of the AFLL. Originals fall by three to the Anvils. 46-43 was the final score. The Anvils stay with a very tiny group of unbeaten teams with a three-point win. They're now 4-0. So they threw, and I'm talking about the Originals, threw everything but the kitchen sink at Quarterback Joe Montana sacking him 15 times. Montana turned it over four different times the game, but he gave it right back with five touchdown passes, and uh, that was good enough to overcome originals quarterback Drew Brees and his 443 passing yards and four touchdowns. He had a perfect uh, day. The originals fall to one and three with that loss. Uh, keep in mind, George Blanda missed a couple of field goals for the originals, and you have to think that might have been the difference in the football game. Uh, the Goats. Um, how else can I describe this football team and how they've been put together? They absolutely crushed the Hunters, 114-6. to Every time you think you've seen it all from this group, they give you something else a little bit more. The Hunters now 1-3 and three with that loss. Now, I'd written last week that uh, quarterback Otto Graham was a little less dominant, and it was pointed out to me he – all his stats came in the first half, and I apologize for that. Uh, the Goats ran the ball zero times. Not one time did they run the football. Hunter's quarterback, uh, Dan Marino, will be seeing Goats jerseys in his sleep. He threw three interceptions, finished the day with 160 yards and zero TDs. Let's go back to Graham for a second. He uh, looked at Peyton Manning's stat line a week ago and said, I'll do better, and he did just that. He had 1,343 1, yards passing, 16 touchdowns, like in one game, one game. On the other side of the ball, Lawrence Taylor was leading the FLL in sacks, was not good enough for him. He had 10 more sacks along with 13 tackles, so he was just a dominant force, as was Graham. They are going to be tough to beat, are the GOATs. Uh, EOD Demogods, 62 over the Diamonds, 18. Diamonds fall to 1-3. and three. Roger Staubach, 3 for 427 yards, a touchdown, but was picked off twice. Warren Moon looking more and more comfortable for the Demogods. Uh, he had three receivers go over 100 yards. Mark Bavaro, the tight end. Isaac Bruce and Sterling Sharp all over went over 100 yards. Uh, they blew open the game in the fourth quarter. I had 28 points. So Moon, another game ball for him. Linebacker Derek Brooks led the way with nine tackles, two sacks, and an interception for the Demo Gods. Uh, Fury, also unbeaten. They beat the throwbacks 93-34. This was two football teams that were unbeaten heading into action uh, on the weekend. And... Fury is now 4-0. Throwbacks fall to 3-1. And, and the Fury jumped out to a 54-7 lead. They never looked back. Marvin Harrison threw or scored three touchdowns. Marshall Falk, Randy Moss also had two touchdowns for the Fury. Uh, Keith Jackson, he's been a great story this season for the throwbacks. They could not be stopped. And the defense from the Fury is one of the best in the league. Uh, Keith Jackson of the night with 175 yards and three more touchdowns. Peyton Manning. Uh, likely is going to have his arm fall off trying to keep pace with Otto Graham. He had eight more touchdown passes and trails Graham by six in that department. 
Uh, Time Bennett's 46, Beowulf 16. Um, they had four receivers go 100 yards in week three, did the Time Bennett's. They did not need that in their 30-point win over Beowulf. Uh, in fact, Fran Tarkenton didn't throw a single touchdown pass, and Eric Decker came the closest to 100 with 97. Instead, the Taylors ran the show for the – I'm talking about the Taylors, like the running back Taylors. They ran the show for the Time Bennett's, helping them improve to 2-2 two and two on the season. Jim Taylor didn't need to travel that far for three touchdowns. He finished the day with seven carries for seven yards, uh, but had three touchdowns, as I said. Fred Taylor has a game ball for the time bats. He and the other Taylor show he had they combined for 40 carries and 103 yards rushing plus a TD. Or sorry, Fred Taylor did. I'm confusing everybody here. Ray Lewis of the time bats uh, grabs a defensive game ball, leading the team with three sacks and two forced fumbles and seven tackles. Great football game between the Immortals and Elite 52-48 was the final score for the Immortals. Uh, the Immortals are now 2-2 two and two on the season. The Elite fall to 1-3. and three. Uh, Johnny Unitas, this was not on his shoulders. He had 583 yards passing and five touchdown passes. Michael Irvin caught 11 passes for 234 and three touchdowns, but he did have six drops. Uh, Brett Favre outdueled Unitas, though. He got the game ball in this one, 618 yards passing, six touchdown passes. He is third in the AFLL in passing yards and touchdown passes. Charles Woodson, the former Heisman Trophy winner, uh, ran sideline to sideline. He had 12 tackles, five knockdowns, and two tackles for losses. So you're going to ask yourself, what's the trivia? We have a trivia question here. What, who had the first shutout in the history of the AFLL? That question was answered. Week four, that belongs to fan-centric Fancy, who improved to two and two. They picked the perfect time to have a viewing party, and that viewing party watched the team blank the Birds of Prey, who are now 0-4 in the year. The final score was 29 to nothing. Frenzy quarterback Randall Cunningham, lucky he has the support of the defense the past couple of weeks. He threw four more interceptions and fumbled three times. You have to wonder if there's a change, a quarterback coming for fan-centric frenzy, but they keep on winning. So, well, they won two in a row. Uh, Charlie Jorner caught six passes for a game-high 122 yards and a touchdown, so he gets the offensive game ball. Ed Sprinkle gets the defensive game ball in that one. And last but not least, in the week four, the one that closed it all out, Valhalla, knocks off Heroes FC 40-32. to A heck of a way to close out week four. Uh, Valhalla wins their first game. Uh, they're one and three. Heroes FC drops to one and three. Jim Brown, the man in this one, 39 carries for 67 yards and one touchdown, but he was not done there. He had a team leading nine receptions for 109 yards and another touchdown. Now, the guy that owns Heroes FC that fell in the Monday nighter uh, has to be a little bit upset, but it's Dan Esposito. Here's my chat with the owner of Heroes FC, and this will be the end of this podcast after this interview. We'll talk to you guys all next week. Dan, welcome to the show. Um, you're an expert at this stuff now. You've been do doing enough interviews. You can call enough games on it. But uh, what, what got you in the direction of the American Football Legends League? You know, it's one of those really fortunate situations that I kind of fell into. I was, I've been a, a Zillica holder and investor for a really long time now. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I missed a lot of the uh, earlier tokens like Ethereum and Bitcoin. And when I learned about Zillica and their sharding technology, I was like, oh, this sounds really interesting. As little as I knew about blockchain at the time and just started buying tokens. About a year ago, I was at the gym and I, I used to be on the board of the NFL alumni Philadelphia chapter. And mm -hmm. every once in a while, I see a, an opportunity for someone 
or a business that might want to engage with the NFL alumni and sponsor them. So I uh, sent a, a tweet to Colin uh, Miles, who was the president or CEO of Zillick at the time, and said, hey, would you guys be interested in potentially partnering? And he said, you know, potentially, and we also have this fantasy sports platform that would be interested as well. And I had seen something about it at one point, but you know, I, my, my focus at the time was on Zillica. But as I started learning more and talking to Tony about what they were building, um, you know, initially I was like, there's no way I'm buying a franchise. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's risky. It's, you know, who knows, you know, what's going to happen. But then I realized that my investments in Decentraland that I bought about five years ago for my son for about $500 a plot of land, I bought two of them. Yeah. Had matured really well. <laughs> so I thought, <laughs> you know, I've made enough. I mean, I didn't make any money because I still hold them, but they've mm-hmm. increased in value enough that I thought, well, let me throw, let me try one of these franchises. And I invested in one of the football franchises and eventually, or one of the uh, Legends franchises. And eventually I ended up um, investing in a baseball franchise and a ju- world juniors hockey franchise. And I know nothing about hockey. So <laughs> fortunately you guys in Canada, yeah, I was able to get one of the UFS, UFFS, uh, you know, guys in there to be a partner in the hockey mm-hmm. uh, franchise. And so unfortunately COVID put the brakes on, on the, the world juniors uh, the tournament yeah. this year. Yeah. But yeah. it's really, you know, it's, it's exciting and they're building more leagues and, there's going to be more transactions on, uh, you know, in, in, in the application, and it's going to increase the value of, of Zillica at some point. And um, it's a really cool fraternity of guys and girls at the beginning of a of a project like this. And um, it's a fun hobby and business at the same time. So. Um, yeah, so you know the, the goal initially was to get the NFL alumni on board as as a partner, and mm-hmm. that slowed down a little bit because they're a little um, conservative and just don't understand blockchain at this point. Um, but you know we're still 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 working on it. But I've been reaching out to a lot of the guys, the alumni, um, and they're really interested. You know, Mike Quick, uh, who played for the Eagles, one of my heroes yes. as a child, is really really interested in learning more about this. I actually drafted him to my franchise. He was my leading receiver in my game, uh, uh, <laughs> you, know, you know, a couple of my games. And, yep. um, you know, I've spoken to Chris Johnson's agent. Chris Johnson is a massive fantasy football nerd and mm-hmm. he's got some interest as well. And, you know, it's uh, so I've been talking to some of the guys and, you know, starting to uh, get them, get their ship pointed toward, you know, this, uh, this treasure chest that, uh, is going to be the, uh, you know, sports metaverse or Mecca on the blockchain is, is, is what I believe about UFFS. Did you, did you play Madden at all? I, yeah, I mean, I've been playing video games since Pong. So I'm, I'm 49 and I mean, I'm right with you. I'm Coleco right with you. Vision. I've been with Pong in television <laughs> with the digital little legs running across. And remember in like in television baseball, you can oh, bunt. Yeah. And it would go for a home run down the third baseline. That's right. I'm right with you, man. I remember all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I had a Commodore 64. You know, I started yep. 
learning programming very briefly for a minute when I was a kid, but sports was, you know, being outside was more important to me. I grew up in Florida, so I, yeah, you know, sunshine you all year round. Yeah. You had options. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's, uh, that's, um, basically what I've been, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, that's basically my introduction. And then, you know, the Pac-Man video games came out and, Mm -hmm. And then we got an Atari and I was a, you know, Pac-Man and, uh, <laughs> gosh, Pitfall, you know. And, oh my uh, gosh, Pitfall. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I, my, my oldest son has a, um, has a, uh, Oculus and I just bought, bought one for, for myself and my, my youngest son so we can join him in, in his, uh, you know, Oculus adventures. Do you tell them how lucky they are compared to the games that you got to play when you were a kid? You know, they don't get it. <laughs> no, they don't. I agree with you. They don't even understand. Yeah. They don't. I, yeah, should, sure. I should stick them with ColecoVision for a few days. It's like when they punish kids in hockey, like we're going to give you a wooden stick instead of your carbon fiber stick. It's just like, okay, okay, if you're not going to listen, here's ColecoVision. Have fun. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> y y you know, my sons it's interesting i you know the 80s were the first i think sort of decade where uh you know kids had things mm -hmm. right you know yep. and then and as a child you didn't have all the things that the kids had and so now as we've become adults we want to make sure that our kids have things and i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing but you know yeah, yeah. Every, but, every generation uh, has their issues. And I, and I think this one might, this could be one of them too. So um, what's it like calling games? Like, you know, you've loved this platform, but what's it like yeah. calling games like uh, uh, from an esports perspective? Cause it's right. totally different. It, it's, it's the same thing, but it's different. Cause you're going, okay, man, I'm calling a game. That's not real, but it's still pretty amazing. Yeah. It's uh, it, so I was a communication major in college, right? So I, I yeah. called up a radio station when I was in high school and the DJ said, Oh, you should be, you should look to being on radio. And mm -hmm. um, that sort of planted the seed at a fairly young age. I might've been like 15 years old at the time. And so I went to school and I was like, sure. I, you know, I'm an athlete. I played baseball in high school and, and, you know, started playing football as a senior in high school and, you know, walked on to a small college in Miller in, in Millersville, Pennsylvania, called Millersville University Division II mm -hmm. school and went out, you know, became a communication major, thought, hey, if I can play football well enough and I go pro, maybe I'll be a broadcaster when I mm -hmm. when I'm done. Well, my career was very short. I had four contracts, two broken jaws, two teams and uh, a whole bunch of shoulder surgeries and got into sales instead of broadcasting because you couldn't make any money in broadcasting and i had racked up a couple bills as a you know football player and had a girlfriend and me going for fifteen thousand dollars to be a sportscaster in alaska wasn't going to happen so this is actually the finally the fulfillment of my vision i'm able to mm -hmm. call football games but the challenge is is that it moves quickly in a real game in a regular game we get to watch replays and talk about the replays and see the game develop a little bit more slowly this is way more fast paced so um it's uh there's a little bit of a challenge but uh it's fun it's great it you know you have to use your brain in a different way and and uh find some different ways to add color to the commentary 
Well, it, it's still, still, regardless of the speed of it, too, Dan, it's, it's still two guys talking, right? It's the whole concept of, of football and, and broadcasting is just like you want to make it like you're just a couple of people hanging out talking about the game itself. Is that how you feel right now where you're ah. at with Andy McNamara at your point? Are you guys still trying to get there or do you still think there's more to it than just two guys talking so, or two people know, talking? Two people Andy's talking. Yeah, Andy's a professional, right? He's polished. Mm. He's got his like Howard Cosell thing. You know, he <laughs> knows how to call a game. You know, the way that you know you traditionally call a game. I'm sort of still in that Eli and Peyton Manning mode where I'm just sitting on the couch wanting to eat chips and talk about football. But um, you know, so I'm start. I'm, I'm learning how to, you know, do color with Andy's professionalism in a much mm -hmm. more sort of tightened up way yeah mm -hmm. yeah do, do you do you like eli and peyton is that is that something that sports needed is that something they're the where... wrong guys <laughs> that that is that's it's the right concept it's the it's it's you know i don't think there's much brains between the two i don't want to say that but you know it just seems a little uh it's it's I don't know. I think there's maybe a couple better guys that could do it in a better a better way. I'd like to see Tony Romo and Aaron Rodgers doing it. Gosh, now that I think about it, that's like, like, were you surprised that Tony Romo excelled the way he did right away? Because I I know that players know the game. It's just telling and seeing it and and relaying that to the people watching is another skill in itself, right? I you know. I, so here's the thing. I feel like I see it and I can say it mm -hmm. in my mind, right? right? But Romo can actually get it out of his mouth, mm -hmm. right? He knows how to with, with and he, he never seemed uncomfortable. And I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan from, you know, 1980, you know, okay. when they lost to the Raiders in the Super Bowl. And yeah. uh, I, I obviously despise the Dallas Cowboys, but it really gave me a just a new appreciation for Tony Romo. Um, mm -hmm. He's a brilliant football mind. He really is, and, and a great athlete. And it's unfortunate his career ended a little sh shorter because you'd like to see a guy like that who's so good and such a master of the craft mm -hmm. to win a to win a Super Bowl. But yeah, no, I, am I surprised? I I didn't see it coming, but I'm not. I'm, I, I wouldn't say I was surprised. It's interesting how there's two Dallas Cowboy, former Dallas Cowboy quarterbacks kind of running things, but there are two different, like Troy Aikman, there's a big difference between what Troy Aikman does and what Tony Romo does. So it's that, that part I've been very interested to see. When you, when you as, as we go into this American Football Legends League, where, where do you see this going? Like it, when more players, you know, theoretically come into this and start to appreciate it, what, what, what can you see, what, what's your vision? of what's here and what, what this can be. Yeah. I, you know, the great thing is, is access sports who has the platform that we play on is really ramping up their graphics and technology on that side. And it's, that's really exciting. The other exciting thing is Zillica's metaverse that they're building and the potential for us to actually have our own stadiums to have you know, digital fans come to the stadium, you know, watching potentially the games in an Oculus or, you know, on their computer screen, um, dressing their avatars up in a Mike Quick Heroes football club jersey um, or, you know, a Steve Young jersey. Um, that, that 
to me is really exciting. It's, it, it feels like, you know, the 1930s or, you know, whenever the NFL started, I feel like that's where we're at now. And it's quickly going to get to 2020, whatever it's going to be when this thing fully develops, it's not going to take, right. uh, you know, a hundred years, but um, it, it, it really is exciting to be one of the first 16 franchise owners that, you know, of, of 32 total in the entire world at the elite legends division. So that to me is, you know, you can, you can only create the future in your mind and you see these really great things happening and you hope that it comes to fruition. And, you mm -hmm. know, with the technology, the way that it's going now, you, you know, that it's eventually it's, it's, it's going to get there. Like totally off topic, but what's it, what's it like being a former player and being part of alumni and what are the, like, how cool is it being part of those groups? Because from a hockey perspective, and I work for the Winnipeg Jets, I have found the alumni players like just a revelation because players during the time that they're playing don't appreciate it as much. They're not going to say as much, but the, the alumni, if you've got the, the, the former Winnipeg Jets are just tremendous people and you hear all these great stories and how much they appreciate the game. That's what I, like, I would rather talk to an alumni player than anybody that's playing the game right now. And that's just my, my opinion in 20 years of doing this. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. So a lot of the, um, actually, let me just kind of take it back to when I was playing yeah. with the Saints. So you have this idea of what a football player is, right? Yes. And it is a guy that looks like Greg Lloyd, who's completely shredded and ripped, is sort of a madman. You know, they're always getting in trouble, da -da, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then you walk into a locker room and you see guys, I mean, when I... When I, my first day in football was with the Washington Redskins sitting in waiting for the bus to pick up the rookies. And I looked over, you're sizing guys up and you look over and you see a guy, Corey Raymer out of Wisconsin. And I didn't know who he was. And I wasn't really a football fan growing up. I, you know, didn't play until I was a senior in high school and, you know, walked on and, you know, just wasn't around football that much as a child. And you're sizing guys up and I look over at this guy in flip-flops, Bermuda shorts, a tank top and a mullet. And I'm like, yeah, that guy's not going to make the team. He doesn't look like a football player. You find out he's the second round draft pick, right? So, right. And then, and then you're in the locker room and, you know, I, I played with Mark McMillan. You call the mighty mouse guy was about five foot six, seven. And he looked like somebody's child every day. I thought somebody's kid was in the locker room, but then a guy like Eric Allen, right. And I, Eric's on my team. I drafted Eric Allen he mm -hmm. you know, he would be on the phone with his children and his wife in between every practice and it really <laughs> gave you a new appreciation for what a professional football player was now there were the maniacs as well there was a couple of them but for the yeah. most part it was men with families you know or young men who were you know just trying to find their way in a new career but it it, it really it is a great group of men and as we sort of age past our playing years, we appreciate that fraternity much more. You know, I'm a guy who didn't play that much, but I have friends in the NFL or from, you know, an NFL alumni yeah. that I can share stories with and who understand, 
you know what I, you know what 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 it is to be a former player. Not all players make a ton of money. Not all mm-hmm. players have a lot of accolades, but we have that fraternity and friendship that uh, a lot of people just won't understand. I want to go back to Aaron Rodgers as, as we as we close things out here, Dan. Yeah, such such a like he. You, there's many there's always he's a guy that's but people can't sit right, right on the middle on with Aaron Rodgers right there's those that can't stand and there's the other ones that appreciate yeah. what he is but I I'm in the middle because I appreciate what he is but I could also see why people get so frustrated with him where do you sit because he's a brilliant football mind and you can tell him he's a brilliant individual and he knows where he is and he's playing the system to his advantage yeah and that's what I appreciate about him I, you is know that how I, you feel about him one, I, I sit squarely with Aaron Rodgers. I, okay. you know, I'm, I'm a guy who pursues knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. I, you know, his, you know, I, 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 you know, listened to him speak and the moment he said, Hey, listen, I'm a critical thinker. Mm-hmm. Right. And that, you know, that is a trait that most people don't have. Most people, you know, uh, think with emotion and, yeah. And they're going to respond to a person who's as intelligent as Aaron Rodgers if they're not of that same intelligence in a more emotional way than they would in a thoughtful way. Mm -hmm. Um, So a guy like Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he'll probably end up owning the Packers by the end of all of this somehow. I mean, he just seems very strategic and well thought out and nobody throws a better football and can move around in the pocket as gracefully as a guy like that. And then put on top of that, his high intelligence. It's, he really, he's just a guy. I mean, Brett Favre was my hero before because I was the kind of guy who my friends kept calling me, come on, we need you to play. We need you to play and all these pickup games. And I kept hurting myself and, you know, (laughs) you know, so that, so that spoke to me, but as I finally stopped playing sports and being, you know, as crazy as I was a guy like Aaron Rodgers, it just kind of fits with, you know, I, I don't want to say how I see myself, but almost how I aspire to be in certain ways. Right. Yeah. Cause you yeah. just kind of see the direction he's going and you appreciate that. And that's where you've wanted to fit yourself in. I, I can appreciate where you're going yeah. with that, Dan, because yeah. I I've grown to appreciate Aaron Rodgers more as time has gone by, instead of thinking him as you know, trying trying to drive the bus in his direction, trying to be the GM of the of the Green Bay Packers. What well, I've learned, I've, what I've seen here is, I of all the people that are complaining about him, none of them have been his teammates. Right? Is right. that do I well, have that? Is that the other important? thing is the other thing is is he may very well be the smartest guy in the room. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. who says that the GM is truly the smartest guy? You know, we we right. know a lot of dumb GMs, right? We know a lot of dumb coaches. You know, and Aaron Rodgers might be the smartest guy in that organization. Um, He's the guy that's putting his his body on the line and has the highest intelligence. So he's got at least those two things going for him. So, you know, he's got to sit back there and take the hits and make the passes and, you know, get the accolades and, and take the fall. So, you know, I think he's doing I think he's playing it the right way. Uh, so do I, man. And I think you're playing things the right way by uh, deciding to step into the broadcast booth, calling AFLL games and being an owner of a franchise. Uh, really appreciate your time, Dan. And I, listen, I 
as I get to know you slowly, Andy's told me great things about you, but uh, we got to do this again and catch up another time. But so uh, thank you so much for your time. I would love to. Thank you so much.